So we welcome you. This is message eight in our series of ten, the King Size Challenge. And here we are, coming to this eighth king. The Bible is challenging us to face the defining moments of these ten Old Testament kings. These men that lived some 2,500 years ago are so relevant for us today. This morning, Hezekiah's king size strength. Now watch this. All of us have strengths. All of us have weaknesses. So I'd like you to turn to the person on your right and say, you have strengths. Let's go for it. And then the person on your left say, you have weaknesses. Uh-huh. Don't you love that one? We all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. That's right. But watch this. There is a strength that God wants you to tap into. There's a strength God wants you to understand, a strength God wants you to experience, a strength God wants you to embrace, to choose. And Hezekiah chose to embrace this type of strength. Now, you're going to experience throughout your life defining moments where you will be forced, watch this, to choose one form of strength or the other. So there's two kind of people here this morning, only two. There are those who tap into self-strength, and then there are others that tap into God's strength. Your life, it'll go one direction or another, depending on whose strength you tap into. God has brought you here this morning to face a defining moment in your life. Where are you going to find your strength? Now, let me give you a little background about King Hezekiah. He served as the 13th king over the southern kingdom of Judah. Here's a map of the divided kingdom. Israel, the northern kingdom here. Judah, the southern kingdom. Hezekiah ruled in Jerusalem from 715 B.C. to 686 B.C. So he reigned 29 years in office. He's considered one of the good kings. Only three that are good in the Bible, in the Old Testament here. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. One of his most notable qualities that he is known for is what we're going to study this morning. He modeled this quality of king-size strength like no other king. Now this is what I want to do this morning. I want to point out two observations that just leap off the pages as we read through these three chapters about King Hezekiah's life. So I want to give you two observations, then I want to state Hezekiah's king-size strength. I want you to know it clearly, and I'm going to share with you four ways to live out Hezekiah's king-size strength, all from Hezekiah's life. 2 Kings chapter 18 is where you should be. Here's the first observation. Observation number one, all of us will face trials. Now this is the backdrop you got to get this. This is the backdrop, the context for all three chapters that we're going to study this morning. Trials. Chapter 18, let's read verses 1 to 8 to start with. In the third year of Hosea, son of Elas, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Now he was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was what? Right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, 
smash the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. That's Baal worship, right? You've been learning about that. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. Now, this snake originally was a good thing, but Israel turned it into an idol and began worshiping it. Hezekiah destroyed it. Verse 5, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him. All the kings of Judah, among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him, he held fast to the Lord, did not cease to follow Yahweh. He kept his commands, all that the Lord had given Moses. And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria, did not serve him from watchtower to fortified city. He defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory. This guy, Hezekiah, he was a good king. He was a good guy, right? I mean, that's what it says right there. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He trusted the Lord. Now watch this. Trials, difficulties, challenges come, watch this, to good people. That is, to you. You know what John 16.33 says? It's there in your notes. In this world, you will have trouble. Would you underline you? Because this message to you this morning is about you. Guess what? You're going to have trouble. James 1, 2 to 3, consider it pure joy. My brothers, would you underline my brothers? These are good brothers, good sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, these trials come and they test your faith, don't they? Look at 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Would you underline all kinds of trials? These have come. Why do trials come? So that your faith, would you underline the word faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may prove genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Trials come so that our faith will be made stronger, so that we will be ready to meet Jesus when he returns. Now, notice the thunderclouds of trials that were gathering and coming toward Hezekiah. Chapter 18, verse 9. In King Hezekiah's fourth year, so he's in office four years, which was the seventh year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, marched against Samaria and laid siege to it. Now, let's go to another map here. No, we're not there. There's a map. There we go. Thank you, Robert. So, the world power at this time is the Assyrian Empire. This is the dominating, most powerful nation on the planet. Egypt was strong too down south. But in 722 BC, in judgment of the northern kingdom of Israel, they march into Samaria. And they destroy Samaria, the northern kingdom. They take all these people into exile. And this is what the scripture is talking about right now. At the end of three years, the Assyrians took it. That is, the northern kingdom falls. So Samaria was captured in Hezekiah's sixth year. Now the southern kingdom, where Hezekiah is, they're all right right now, which was the ninth year. The king of Assyria uh, deported Israel, that's the northern kingdom, to Assyria and settled them in Halah, in Gozan and on the harbor river in the towns of the Medes. This happened because they had not obeyed the Lord their God, but had violated his covenant, all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded. They neither listened to the commands nor carried them out. Now, 
in the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, this is into the future now, Sennacherib, this is a different king now of Assyria, king of Assyria, he attacked all the fortified cities of Judah. Now he's coming into the southern kingdom, or Hezekiah's king, and he is attacking all these fortified cities of Judah, and he captured them. So you've got, picture Castor Valley as Jerusalem. But this guy, Sennacherib, comes in and he attacks and he can't, you know, captures Hayward and, and, uh, and San Leandro and Oakland and all. He's capturing all the areas around Jerusalem, the capital. And Hezekiah is in Jerusalem and he sees his cities falling all around him. What does Hezekiah do? Verse 14, so Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent this message to the king of Assyria at Lachish. Now, when we were in Israel, we saw Lachish. And here's Lachish right here. It was close. We pointed out Lachish, if you remember that. And this is where the king of Assyria was. And it attacked and conquered this area. And then Hezekiah is going, wow. He says, I've done wrong. And he says a me- sends a message to the king there at Lachish. Withdraw from me and I will pay you whatever you, you want to demand. The king of Assyria exacted from Hezekiah. He set a number. King of Judah, 30 talents of gold, uh, or, or 300 talents of silver. That's 11 tons of silver. And 30 talents of gold, that's one ton of gold. I mean, this is, this is a lot of money to pay him off so he won't attack Jerusalem. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the temple of the Lord and in the treasuries of the royal palace. Verse 16, at this time Hezekiah, king of Judah, stripped off the gold which was, he had covered the doors and the doorposts in the temple of the Lord and gave it to the king of Assyria. Now that's bad enough. That's a difficult situation. But what lies ahead for Hezekiah are three oncoming trials. Now watch this. You are going to face these same three trials. Hezekiah faced them. You will face them at some point in your life. The question this morning is this, how? How? In whose strength are you going to face your trials? That's the question of the morning. Trial number one that Hezekiah faced and you will face is an overwhelming enemy. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever faced an overwhelming enemy? They come in different shapes and sizes. They have different names. I would suspect most of you have. If not, you will in the future at some point face an overwhelming enemy. I want you to notice Hezekiah's overwhelming enemy. 2 Kings 18 verses 17 and following. The king of Assyria. You need to understand that the Assyrians were brutal. This is the most feared people on the planet. Brutal. What they did to their enemy, I can't even describe. It's too um, inappropriate for me to share publicly. It's ISIS and worse. The king of Assyria, his name is Sennacherib. And he sent the supreme commander, now they're still in Lachish, the king of Assyria. And he sends his supreme commander, this guy named Tartan, his chief officer, a guy named Rabseris, and his chief commander, a guy named Rabshanka, and you get this from the book of Isaiah and other books, I'm just giving you their names, 
And he sends, you know, some of these, his general and his chief officers and a, and a large contingency of soldiers. We don't know how many, but they, he sends them from Lachish to Jerusalem. And so they sent a large army. I don't know, was it 50,000? There are a total of 185,000 Assyrians we know at Lachish. So there's 50,000. One third of the army goes to Jerusalem. Now imagine, you're in Jerusalem. It's not a big city. I'll show you a map of it in a second. Jerusalem back then. And there's a wall around it. And 50,000 men, Assyrians, every other city in your territory has been destroyed, annihilated by these men. And they show up. They came to Jerusalem and stopped at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the washerman's field. Let's show a city picture of Jerusalem. This is an artist's rendition of Jerusalem uh, back then. Here's where they would have stopped. This is the upper area where 50,000 to look down upon uh, Jerusalem. And what did they say? They called for the king and Elikan Son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shibna, the secretary, that secretary of state, and Joah, son of Asaph, and the recorder went out to them. So you've got Hezekiah's main men going out to stand on this part of the wall, talking to 50,000 Assyrians. The field commander said to them, a guy named Rabshanka, he said, tell Hezekiah, he's screaming this, this is what the great king, the king of Assyria says, he's speaking on behalf of the king. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have strategy and military strength, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? Look now, you are depending on Egypt, that splintering reed of a staff, which pierces a man's hand and wounds him if he leans on it. Such is Pharaoh of Egypt to all who depend on him. Everyone back then kind of looked to Pharaoh to give strength and that sort of thing. And if you say to me, we are depending on the Lord our God, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Come now and make a bargain with my master. Let's make peace with the king of Assyria. Then he kind of, he's, he's really, he's pushing him. He says, I'll give you 2,000 horses if you can put riders on them. I mean, you guys are weak. I give you 2,000 horses right now for your men to ride on. Let's battle it out if you want to do it that way. How can you repulse one officer of the least of my master's officials, even though you are depending on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Furthermore, have I come to attack and destroy this place without the word from the Lord? He knew a little bit about what the prophets prophesied because of the sin of the northern kingdom it fell, because of the sin of idolatry of the southern kingdom it would fall, but not right now. It would, though, in 586, Jerusalem fell. But not right now. The Lord himself told me to march against this country and destroy it. Then Elikim, son of Hilkiah, and Shibna, and Joah said to the field commander, Please, speak to your servants in Aramaic, since we understand it. Don't speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of all the people on the wall. But the commander replied, Was it only for your master and you that my master sent me to say these things and not to the men's sitting on the wall who spoke Hebrew, who, like you, will have to eat their own filth and drink their own urine. Then the commander stood and he called out in Hebrew, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. Can you imagine this? He cannot hand, hand deliver you from my hand. Do not let him 
persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says the Lord will surely deliver us and this city will not be given to the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out. Right now, open the gates, is what he's saying. Then every one of you will eat from his own vine and fig tree and drink water from his own cistern until I come and take you to a land of your own. He's talking about bringing them into Babylon. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for he is misleading you when he says the Lord will deliver us. Then he says, has the gods of any nation delivered his hand from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath? And he names all these gods where they have just gone through like a wrecking ball throughout this whole area. How then you call, can, can you call on the Lord to deliver Jerusalem? But the people remained silent and said nothing in reply because the king had commanded, do not answer him. Then Alakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Sheba the secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, they went to Hezekiah with their clothes torn, and told them what the field commander had said. My question to you is this. How would you respond to an overwhelming enemy like that? Notice how Hezekiah responded, chapter 19. When King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth. That's humbling yourself, beloved, in that culture. That's like when you tear your clothes, it's like my heart is torn over this situation. And he went into the temple of the Lord, the place where God is. He sent Elikim, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and the leading priests, all wearing sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. Let's go to the man of God. They told him, this is what Hezekiah says, this day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace as when children come to the point of birth, but there's no strength to deliver them. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of the field commander whom his master, the king of Assyria, sent to ridicule the living God and that he will rebuke him for the words the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, pray for the remnant that still survives. Hezekiah himself is praying in humility and he calls all of Jerusalem that is left of the southern kingdom to pray as well. What does God do? Verse 5, when Hezekiah... King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah. Isaiah said to them, and God already gave Isaiah the answer to Hezekiah's prayer, tell your master this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you have heard. Those words with which the underlings of the king of Assyria blasphemy. Listen, I am going to put such a spirit in him that when he hears a certain report, he will return to his own country and there I will have him cut down with the sword. I will read about that a little bit later. Question. How will you respond when you face an overwhelming enemy, you're not going to face the king of Assyria and 50,000 bloodthirsty soldiers, but I guarantee you will face an overwhelming enemy at some point in your life. Question, how are you going to face it? In whose strength? There's a second trial you're going to face. And it's an intimidating letter. You ever received an intimidating letter? Sometimes they come in the form of divorce papers. Sometimes it's a lawsuit. Sometimes it's your good old buddy, the IRS. Sometimes it's just a nasty email. Sometimes it's just a letter you get in the mail and you open it up and it, it's just shocking, the news. Notice the intimidating letter that Hezekiah received. Verse 8, chapter 19. When the field commander heard that the king of Assyria had left Lachish, well, he withdrew from Jerusalem and found the king fighting against Libna. 
So Hezekiah didn't fold tent and open the doors and say, come on in, Assyrians. So the field commander goes back, finds his king fighting another battle. So then he reports to Sennacherib what Jerusalem said, which is basically nothing. Now Sennacherib received a report that Turkna, the Cushite king of Egypt, was marching out to fight against him. So he sent messengers to Hezekiah with this word. Now this word was in a letter. So he's like, okay, I got to fight another battle. Let's send a letter to Hezekiah and keep eating at him. And this is basically the contents of the letter. Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, quote, do not let the God you depend on deceive you, Hezekiah, when he says Jerusalem will not be handed over to me. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my forefathers deliver them, the gods of Gozan, Haran, Rezim, and the people of Eden who were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Seraphim, or of Hena, or of Iva? I mean, these are all kingdoms that fell. And he put this in a letter, a toxic, vile letter, and sent it to Hezekiah. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. How would you respond to an intimidating letter? Notice what Hezekiah does. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord, this letter. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made the heavens and the earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to insult the living God. It is true, O Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste the nation's in their lands. They have thrown uh, their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by men's hands. Now, O Lord our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, O Lord our God. Every time I read that, I think back to a time in Tracy and I early on in our marriage when we found ourselves in debt. Don't know how exactly how we got there. But I wrote everything out that we owed. I'm just like, Lord, we're trying to be the best stewards we can be. We're young, still learning how to manage finances. And we put that out on our bed, and we just prayed to God. And it was several thousand dollars. Next week, unexpected letter comes in. We open it up, check, written out for exactly that amount. Question for you. What are you going to do when you get an intimidating letter Whose strength are you going to rely on? Where are you going to turn? Let's see what God does after Hezekiah prays. Verse 20. Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. This was the message. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. God answers Hezekiah's prayer. I have heard your prayer concerning the Sennacherib king of Assyria. This is the word the Lord has spoken against him. I'm not going to read the next several verses. Basically, it is an indictment. It is a word of destruction on the nation of Assyria. But go, if you would, to verse 32. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Verse 32. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter the city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, Hezekiah. I will defend this city, 
and save it for the sake of my, my servant David. That night, the angel of the Lord, one angel, went out and he put to death 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp, slayed. Whose strength are you going to rely on, beloved? When the people got up next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. But remember what the prophet said about what's going to happen to Sennacherib. One day while he was worshiping in the temple of his god, Nishrosh, his sons cut him down with the sword and they escaped to the land of Ararat. Nice boys, huh? How are you going to respond when you get face an overwhelming enemy, receive an intimidating letter? Hopefully like Hezekiah. Trial number three, you're going to face this. An unexpected illness. You ever faced an unexpected illness in your life? Maybe. Most of us have. If not, you will in the future. Both of my parents are survivors of cancer. Rocked our worlds. How did we face cancer? That's everything. That's the whole point of this message. How do you face the trials, the difficulties of life? Either in your own strength or there's another strength. There's been times I've been in excruciating pain, back pain, ear pain. How do you face those unexpected? Notice Hezekiah's unexpected illness, chapter 20, verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became ill. He's at the point of death. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Uh... Put your house in order because you're going to die. You'll not get, you're not going to recover. Now, I love Isaiah. I love his book, 66 chapters. I don't know. When I see Isaiah in heaven, I'm just, Isaiah, what terrible bedside manners. <laughs> Can you imagine a man of God coming to you while you're on your deathbed and he says, uh, put your house in order because you're going to die. You're not going to recover. I mean... What do you do when you get, you know, bad news about your health? And on top of it, the pastor gives you this word. Wow. Some of you have been there. Some people have said some things to you, even at, at your lowest point physically, and it just, it's shocking. It's so painful. My question for you, what do you do in those moments? Do you rely on your own strength only? Are you serious? Is there another strength for us? Oh, yes. That's the whole point. Look what Hezekiah does. He turned his face to the wall. You want to know why he did that? He turned his back on Isaiah. And he turned to get alone with God. And he prayed to the Lord. Are you seeing a theme? Remember, O oh Lord. How I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion, and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. What does God do? Before Isaiah left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. I will heal you on the third day from now. You will go up to the temple of the Lord again. I will add 15 years to your life. How are you going to respond when you face an unexpected illness? 
whose strength. What's the whole point of what we're saying so far? One thing. First observation, all of us are going to face trials in this life, difficulties, an overwhelming enemy, an intimidating letter, an unexpected illness. The question is this, how are you going to face those trials when they come in your strength or in God's strength? Watch this, some of you have been going through life in your own strength. And this is a new day for you because God has brought you here to face a defining moment in your life. And some of you, God is just desperately wanting you to go in his strength. But you've got to face something in your life. You've got to embrace Hezekiah's king-size strength. What is his king-size strength? Time to define it. It's one word. It is prayer. Prayer. When faced with an overwhelming enemy, he responded with prayer. And in that prayer found strength. When he faced an intimidating letter, he responded with prayer. And in that prayer found strength. When he faced an unexpected illness, he responded with prayer. And in that prayer, he found strength. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything, everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer, just like Hezekiah. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms, he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find solace there. Ah. I love this king. He shows us a strength that God gives us only in prayer. Some of us have not faced this defining moment. But God has brought us here I'd like us to discuss something before we move on at your tables. And it's this. Have you encountered any of Hezekiah's three trials? And how did prayer give you the strength to face them? Go ahead and talk about that. Okay, look if you would at observation number two on your outlines. And it's this, that I take from these three chapters. When trials come... Your second observation, we can face them in our strength or in the Lord's strength by turning to God in prayer. That's the second observation I see here. We're all going to face trials. And when they come, we can face them in our strength or in God's strength by turning to God in prayer. Look at chapter 18, verse 5. It says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord. How? By turning to the Lord in prayer regardless of the trial. This was the secret to Hezekiah's king-sized strength, prayer. Question, what is your secret for experiencing personal strength? There is only one secret. It's prayer. That is it. Earlier I said there are two types of people here this morning. Those who tap into self-strength, which I guarantee will let you down 
or those who will tap into God's strength, which I guarantee will never let you down. So my question for you this morning, has God brought you here because he wants to teach you the secret to Hezekiah's king-size source of strength, which is prayer? Principle is this, we stand on our knees or we don't stand. We don't stand in our strength. That is not the Christian life. We stand in the strength of God. And you stand in the strength of God through prayer. One day, you will face chapter 18. You will face an overwhelming enemy. Another day, you're going to face chapter 19. You're going to face an intimidating letter. Another day, you'll face chapter 20, an unexpected illness. And then there's 21 and 22 and 23 and trial and difficulty and problem. That's this life. How are you going to face these trials in your strength or in God's strength through prayer? We can be a person who when these trials come, face them in our strength and be disappointed. Or in the Lord's strength, then we can truly find strength. And you'll be a person people look at and be in awe of because you'll be like Jesus. You have a supernatural strength. That would be amazing. A wife needs that in a husband. A husband needs that in a wife. Children need that in a mom or a dad. People need that in a pastor. Let me give you four things to know about turning to God in prayer and finding strength. These are four things that God wants you to know about prayer. These are four things Hezekiah wants you to know about prayer. I believe Hezekiah learned these things about prayer because he never would have prayed these three times had he not known these. And I believe God most wants you to understand these things about prayer. And they come right out of the text. Number one, God wants you to know that God sees your circumstances before you pray. In chapter 19, verses 5 and 6, when King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Tell your master, this is what the Lord says, do not be afraid of what you have heard, those words with which the underlings of the king of Assyria blasphemed me. You know what that's saying? God heard the words of Rabshakeh when he's blaspheming the living God. He heard it all. God sees it all. You know, God knows everything about your life. Carolyn, God knows, God, God's eyes are never off you. Never off you, Ron. Never off you, Cola. Yes, even Ron in the back there. God wants you to understand something about prayer. He sees all your circumstances before you pray. Look at Psalm 139, verses 2 to 3. You know when I sit and when I rise. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Would you underline that? You are, that's speaking of God. God is familiar with all your ways. Remember what Jesus said to Nathaniel? Remember Philip comes to Nathaniel and says, Guess what? We found Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel goes, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Jesus comes face to face. With Nathaniel, you know the first thing Jesus says to Nathaniel? 
Remember what he said? He said, I saw you, Nathaniel, while you were still under the fig tree. And Nathaniel, I was alone. There was no one there. You were miles away. And then it hit him. And Nathaniel said, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. He found strength and understanding. There is a God that sees him all the time. Do you realize whatever trial you're in, God sees all the circumstances, all the situation. He knows about that letter. He knows about the enemy. He knows about your physical ailment. Or if you just block God out. Because when you block God out and you don't realize that he's there intimately involved in everything, guess what? You have no strength. You're going on your own. That is not a good way to go through life. Come to the point where you understand. You see everything, God. That's why we spread that letter out in our bed. God, you see this. That's where prayer begins. God is right here. He's not distant. He's right here. That's how Hezekiah lived. Second is this. God wants you to know that He hears our prayers. Chapter 19, verse 20. I have heard your prayer. Chapter 20, verse 5. I have heard your prayer. The God of this universe hears you when you pray. Do you understand that when you pray, it's powerful? Because the God that created this universe hears your prayer. Every prayer. Psalm 4, 3. The Lord hears me when I call to Him. Psalm 28, verse 6. Praise be to the Lord, for He has heard my cry for mercy. The third thing God wants you to know is this. Not only does he see you, not only does he hear you, but thirdly, God sees our tears. Chapter 20, verse 5, I have heard your prayer. And Hezekiah, I've seen your tears. Isn't that beautiful? Remember Genesis 21, when Sarah sent off Hagar to die in the wilderness with her son? Do you remember that? It's a heart-wrenching scene. But what's so beautiful and tender is Genesis 21, 17 and 18. The Bible says God heard the boy crying. God heard the boy crying and said to her, do not be afraid for I will make him into a great nation. There are times I'm driving down the road and I will see, I'll pass someone up who's walking on the sidewalk and I'll see tears in their eyes and there's brokenness in their heart. And you need to understand as a pastor it breaks me. I think that breaks anyone, but I want to pull over and I want to put my arms around that person and they're a stranger because my heart goes out for anyone who's crying. Can you imagine what it is like our Heavenly Father who sees you crying at any moment, His heart breaks for you. Some of you don't believe that and that's why you have no strength. You're going through life on your own. There is a God that loves you so much. You are his child. James 5.11, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. There is no one more full of compassion and mercy. God is perfect in his character. His compassion and mercy knows no ending. Oh, his compassion and mercy for you. Psalm 34, verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. This right here is a first century tear vial. It's near 2,000 years old. I'm only holding it because my wife gave me permission. It's in a box, all nice. I won't drop it. 
Why am I holding this? Because the story behind it is beautiful. In Middle East culture, ancient, when a soldier would go off to battle, he would often buy a tear jar just like this. This may have been why it was purchased. And he would give it to his wife. And the, and the vial would be used to collect her tears in his absence. The husband knew that as he was away, it would be difficult on her. And so he would hand this to her. So most of you know, you know, when I'll go away on missions trip for two or three weeks, and I'll hand this to Tracy. And I'll come back, and it's just overflowing with tears. Why are you laughing? And even clapping. Edit it from the video. So why am I sharing this with you? Because some of you, it's a beautiful story, but now watch, let me connect it to Scripture, because some of you have never seen this in the book of Psalms, 56, verse 8. It's the Living Bible here, because it says it best. It says, you, speaking of God, you, God, have collected all my tears and preserved them in a bottle. You have recorded everyone in your book. Do you get that? There is a God that has not missed one of your tears. He has seen every single one shed. He's collected them. Some of us need to embrace that truth because you'll find strength in that. God wants us to know about prayer. He sees our circumstances. He hears our prayers. He sees our tears. And fourthly, God always answers our prayers for our good and His glory. Always. See, God is not rude. I mean, can you imagine as a parent, let's just, you have one of your children walk in and uh, they say, uh, Dad, Mom, uh, can, I, can I get a ride into town? And, and they ask you something and you just stare at them. You go. You guys are making me laugh. I wanted to go longer with that, but... I mean, wouldn't that... There is no parent that would ever do that to their child. Why do you think God doesn't answer you when you pray? You think God's rude? Where did you come up with that? God is so kind and so merciful. He's not rude and uncaring and disinterested and aloof. We can't imagine as a parent not answering our child when they would ask us something. How would we ever think God, the perfect parent, would ever not answer us? What does the Bible say? Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I'll answer you. I mean, did you notice in every instance here in Scripture that we just read, you just read it. Every time Hezekiah prayed, God answered him. Every single time. And guess what? It is the same for you. It is the same for me. God answers every single one of our prayers. Sometimes God sends an Isaiah to give us courage like he did to Hezekiah. Isaiah came in and he spoke to Hezekiah. And the Bible says, Isaiah, Hezekiah got courage from that. Some of you pray. Guess what? Sometimes I am the answer. God raises up an Isaiah, a Mark Tyler, a Larry Vold, and they speak the word of God to you. 
And you're just not recognizing this is God's answer to your prayer. He sends a prophet, a man of God, a woman of God, someone to encourage you. This is God answering your prayer. Yes. Sometimes God deploys an angel to miraculously remove the enemy from our lives. That's what God did. Hezekiah prayed. One angel, 185,000 Assyrians, wiped out. How many times? How many times have you prayed and God has sent an angel to do God's bidding? You just didn't recognize it. Or you didn't give God the glory. How many times has God done that for you and me? Sometimes God heals us and adds years to our lives like he did for Hezekiah in chapter 20, verse 6. How many times has God been your healing power? How many times? He always answers our prayers. Sometimes his answer is yes. And he says, yes, my child, this is for your good and this is for my glory. Other times God says, no, 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 no. My child, this is not for your good. It's not for your glory, for my glory. There's other times God says, no, 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 wait, not quite yet for your good. Not quite yet ready for my glory. In time, be patient. God is not rude. Every time you pray, he sees your circumstances, he hears your prayer, he sees your tears. Every time you pray, he answers your prayer. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's wait. Beloved, that is what the scripture teaches. Get that into your heart because in that you will find strength. Without that, you will have no strength. You're going to go on your own strength and you will not have learned the lesson of King Hezekiah. Now, let's take a moment and talk about this at our tables. Of the four thoughts about prayer, which one most touches your heart? Which one do you most need to embrace? Talk about that at your tables if you would. Okay, final question of the morning that I want you to think about in your heart is simply this. Would you ask yourself, are you ready to face Hezekiah's king-size strength? Are you ready? I mean, has a light gone off? Has the Holy Spirit brought you to this point because something needs to change in the way you are approaching life? There are two types of people. Those who face life in their own strength. Those who face life in the strength of another because they turn to God in prayer. What type of person are you? A defining moment in Hezekiah's life. Three times over, this guy faced the same trials that you're going to face. An overwhelming enemy, an intimidating letter an unexpected illness, and the list goes on. What is going to happen? You're going to face this for the rest of your life. Do you notice how quickly he turned to prayer? Boom, boom, boom. Wow. That's an example to me. He stood on his knees. So who are you? Some things can change. As you come to God in prayer, God can do a spiritual work in your heart where literally you are transformed to become a man, a woman who turns to God in prayer immediately and you find a new source of strength you've never known before. And the anxiety you're going to bed with at night that's keeping you up, the ulcer, the drugs that you're having to take, 
prescribed medication to help you deal with all of life's Let God do a work in your life. Let Him give you power. Let Him give you strength. Turn to Him. God wants you to know four things this morning from His heart to your heart about prayer. God sees your circumstances. He's intimately acquainted with all of them. He hears your prayer. He sees your tears. He will answer every single one of your prayers for your good and His glory and He will do it every time. What a friend we have in Jesus. But is He just a distant friend to you? Is He just an acquaintance way over there? Or is He right here? Is He truly your friend? Your Savior? Your God? Because the first thing you do when you face trials, you go right to Him in prayer immediately. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I believe that's going to change today for many people. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this example of Hezekiah who regardless of the trial turned to you, O God, in prayer and in that found a strength that we are talking about today 2,500 years later. No king in the Bible turned to you like this man. Wow. Help us to do the same, Lord. Help us, like Hezekiah, to know you see everything, our circumstances, before we even pray. You love us so much. You hear our prayer. You see our tears. But you always answer our prayers for your good and your glory. Will you just talk to the Lord and say, Father, make me a Hezekiah. Make me a man, a woman who finds strength in prayer. I'm done doing this on my own. I need your strength, O God. Make me a different person.